Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Bad Beats episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about to make the legendary worst deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith. Um, I have a good friend of mine here today. He is a very experienced uh, investor, uh, overall uh, biz- business magnate, and uh, just a great guy to boot. Um, so I, I want to just say, everybody, just lend me a hand here and, uh, and welcoming welcoming um, our, uh, our, our most recent guest here to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Um, so for everybody that doesn't know you, what, what are the uh, important pieces that you think that they need to know before we get into this best deal or worst deal to kind of set a foundation for, you know, who you are coming into to these deals and, and what you're doing currently um, with the experience you've gained? Awesome. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Uh, love to be your uh, guest. And uh, as you know, uh, I'm Sakar Kavlin. I am here in the Baltimore, Maryland area, uh, right here by I-95 in Ellicott City specifically. Uh, I own almost uh, about 200 rentals at this point. Uh, I've been investing since 2000, like 99, 2000. And a lot of learnings, a lot of good lessons along the way, uh, and happy to share uh, whichever way uh, you feel. Um, I took a typical path, uh, uh, like, you know, uh, of any immigrant, for, for example, would be, uh, you know, you come here for education, get a job, uh, get a green card, and become a citizen. Uh, that's typically what my path has been. And along the way, uh, me and my wife, we both have actually quit our jobs now. And we all do full-time real estate uh, at this point. That's phenomenal. And I can imagine uh, being an immigrant and getting involved in the side of the real estate investing presents its own types of, of unique challenges. Sure, sure. What did, you, what did you run into that was the, the biggest hurdle? Oh, absolutely. I, I think um, you rightfully said there, uh, Scott, is that uh, when I came to this country, I didn't know what a drywall was. Uh, I am from India, for example. So all the construction of houses uh, that's around there is all brick and mortar. There is uh, hardly any use of lumber or drywall uh, insulation and things like that. It's uh, very different temperatures, very different requirements and things like that. So for me to experience uh, the building nature of things uh, is a tremendous, uh, was a tremendous learning lesson initially. Uh, but along the way, as we all know, the real estate in general, you know, you pretty much go through learning all kinds of things, whether it's, uh, you know, dealing with tenants, construction, uh, renovation, things of that nature, then, you know, property management, things like that. So there were like lots of learning lessons along the way. So, you know, it's almost like you start fresh, uh, you're learning uh, by fire. And my always motto has been is that always learn. And, and you know, education is like the biggest component that uh, everybody, uh, you know, has to conquer along the way, uh, regardless of, you know, what uh, stature of investing they are in, whether they are a newbie or, you know, somewhere in between or an experienced person, there's always that next level that what best you can do. Uh, so uh, along the way, I mean, you know, I learned just so many lessons uh, that it's, uh, I mean, it's been a great journey, I like to say. That's phenomenal. And I imagine along the, that journey, there's, there's some bumps along the way. Um, I was wondering if you would share with us what your experience has been on like a deal that went sideways on you, because 
Um, and those sometimes give us like the best learning opportunities for all the audience to learn from, um, from that experience from you. So hopefully they don't have to make the same one. Sure, sure. Uh, I think uh, one of the things was when I was a newbie, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting that we look at in, in, in retrospect that uh, you get what you pay for. So I was very cautious about the money initially. So uh, like, for example, I would like uh, definitely not upfront pay the contractors. So along the way, I would give them small payments and things like that. And, uh, you know, there was one incident at my first rental where, uh, you know, I hired a subcontractor to do the windows in installation. And, um, you know, I gave him the first draw and, uh, you know, pretty much the same story that, as you can imagine, that you know, the contractor was never to be found. And he pretty much took my, I think, whatever, uh, $1,500 or something like that. And, and he was never to be found along with my material, actually. So that was a big learning lesson. But along the way, there were just a lot of lessons as to how to renovate, what to do, what not to do. Uh, and, you know, being consistent with your quality of renovations and things like that. So along the way, as, uh, you know, as years progressed, I kind of learned that uh, to survive in a cash flowing uh, rental competitive market, you have to do an extremely quality job in your renovations. Like where we operate right now is uh, all of our portfolio, like probably 95 to 98% of our portfolio is uh, either Section 8 or some type of a government assistant program program and things like that. So we deal with a lot of uh, housing inspections and stuff. So having that uh, A-class quality is very important for us. That uh, one is, of course, uh, your tenants are happy, but at the same time, compliance is so important that you, uh, I mean, either you do it or uh, you you will not be in that competitive space where you get high returns and things like that. And, you know, obviously you have other challenges where, you know, you'll have higher vacancy and, uh, you know, other uh, sort of the uh, bad debt, uh, as we call it, and things like that. So there are a lot of those learning lessons. So I, I would say in, in retrospect, like if you have to, you know, maybe sum it up, it's like always maintain high quality. And that's across the board, whether that's your communications, whether that's your dealing with tenants, uh, whether it's contractor, lenders, things like that. And that, that keeps you in good state along the way. So, so with, with dealing with Section 8, I know a lot of people are afraid to go into Section 8 because they're worried about that class of, of tenant and sure. whatnot. What has been, what have you found? You know, obviously, you've made a great business out of it. You know, right. what, are the, what are the secrets to Section 8 investing that a lot of people are afraid of that keeps them from doing it that you figured out that, that made it attractive for you? Uh, sure. So just to keep it, uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, I think, uh, misinformation out there about Section 8, honestly. Uh, our experience has been is that, uh, sure, there is some red tape and there are some bad tenants involved. But when you look at it in a global perspective, there are just a lot of good, hardworking people, whether that's school teachers, whether that's house, uh, you know, school custodians, and a lot of like that blue collar work ethic people that are out there. Uh, and, you know, there are all these good people who will always pay their share of the rent and things like that. And if you are a good landlord having a good uh, sort of a win-win, you deal with people with empathy and things like that, you will always find uh, Section 8 being very helpful. I mean, gone are the care, uh, days where, you know, the system was haphazard uh, or, you know, someone else was taking advantage and things like that. So that's not the case anymore. 
I think there's a perception out there that this uh, Section 8 system is like just full of a lot of uh, bureaucracy, red tape and things like that. And and that's uh, honestly, that's not the case. I mean, today I, uh, I, I, am, I sit on the board of uh, landlords uh, where, you know, new rules or uh, regulations, guidelines get uh, vetted through the through the HABC, uh, like housing authority, as we call it here. So we get to see, you know, what happens and how fair the system is. So if someone is an investor, I would, you know, highly recommend that, you know, do a great job uh, in your renovations and houses. And once you have that voucher tenant, your income is guaranteed, your inspections are always there. So if there is any issues that happen, you have your inspection list along your side that you can take care of those things and work with tenants and things like that. I don't see that why uh, someone should not invest uh, in some of these uh, voucher programs, as I call it. I think it's a great, uh, great model uh, in my experience. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, and when you come along the way of, of being able to invest inside of uh, Section 8, for example, where was like a, mm -hmm. where was the, where was something that went wrong for you in there that you said that you didn't expect uh, to go wrong when you were first getting involved in the voucher programs? Sure. I, I think right out of the gate, I, I was a victim of that. Uh, you know, when you asked me the prior question that, uh, you know, what's the perception like and things like that, I had the same uh, sort of perception uh, that I was always ignorant about what the program was and things like that. So, but once I discovered that, I myself found that it was a good program to work with. Uh, but then obviously there were other challenges as far as, you know, getting through the inspections. There are like a couple of rounds of inspections that happen in, in these houses. So that initial lease of time uh, does take time. So for example, it's not like a market tenant that, okay, someone likes the house and you can possibly have them move in within a week, two weeks uh, and things like that. But with Section 8, that was the hurdle initially is that uh, trying to, you know, come up to that quality uh, that, okay, you got to have all these specific things done uh, in your houses up to the code and things like that. That was initial hurdle. And then I noticed that initial lease up time just due to inspections. And once the house passes the inspections, uh, there's a formal process where you are signing the lease uh, because, you know, you have another uh, tenant liaison or the caseworker, as we call it, that's involved at the housing authority. Uh, so that initial lease up does take time. Those were the main challenges. But then other than that, uh, you know, given the size of portfolio that we have now, uh, we see every now and then you will see that, hey, uh, there's a bad tenant out there. Sometimes they take advantage of the programs and things like that. So we don't make a big deal out of the way. We just kind of uh, take it as it comes. Uh, you know, if we, if we think that, hey, the tenant can turn, uh, turn a corner, we would work with them. Otherwise, we just kind of move on and, you know, not entertain some of those tenants and things like that. Uh, but all in all, uh, I mean, you know, given some of the initial learnings, most of the other stuff, I think if you're doing your job right, uh, you can't go wrong in my opinion. Oh, that's awesome. So, so what are you doing um, right now? Are you helping people, um, you know, acquire properties to, to at least section eight? Or are you working with real estate investors or other people and grow their businesses? 
Uh, sure. So, uh, for example, uh, you know, one of the big things I do nowadays also is that there are a lot of like, as the word has spread around, there are a lot of like young investors and things like that. They'll, uh, they'll you know, call me, text me, things like that, uh, saying, hey, I need assistance and things like that. So I'll, I'll kind of guide them along the way. You know, I don't truly formally do any coaching and things like that. It's, it's really, you know, I just share my experiences as to, you know, what works, what doesn't work, things like that. Uh, also, more importantly, how to invest in safe neighborhoods so that, uh, you know, uh, you don't get in trouble uh, in the long term and things like that, you know, gone are the days, I think, when you're trying to chase the deals and, uh, you know, sometimes that chasing that deal you probably end up in a bad market. Sometimes you just don't know like what streets and what neighborhoods you are investing in. All you're looking at uh, is, you know, you are, you are eva- you're trying to evaluate these deals just on, from a price standpoint, not understanding, you know, like what the crime stats and things like that are for the neighborhoods. So those tend to be the trip falls uh, for a lot of new investors. Uh, so I try to, you know, guide along the way uh, and things of that nature. So. I mean, there's there's never a week that goes by that, you know, new people are, you know, uh, asking me and, you know, emailing me that, hey, what do we think about this and things like that. Uh, And as you know, you know, I host a podcast as well at uh, Premium Cashflow. Uh, With that also, we try to, uh, you know, help passive investors uh, raise, uh, you know, invest uh, the money in all the larger apartment multifamily deals, basically. So, so is that what you're doing with the premium cash flow? Is the podcast guys for everybody that's out there um, wanting to know what that was? It's premium, co- uh, premium cash flow. I've been on podcasts. It's a great podcast. Um, everybody should tune in to get into there and listen to it. Um, with uh, in, inside of premium cash flow, are you really focused um, principally on saying you know here's way that people can invest in, in syndications and have like a truly passive investment? Because owning a piece of a single family home, we all know that's not really truly truly passive, right? Because sure, 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 sure. But is that what you're looking at in premium cash flow? Yeah, mostly the premium cash flow side of uh, things there, uh, Scott, is that uh, mostly deals with uh, apartment, multifamily investing, shelf storages, and any other exotic high return classes, right? So along the way, what I have also discovered is that, uh, like, you know, there were many uh, people who always wanted to invest along with me. And what I found is that, you know, like average multifamily deals where, you know, you're dealing with cash flowing rentals uh, do not have that scale where you can like bring in maybe two, three partners and things like that. Uh, You know, there's just not that much of a scale. Uh, But, you know, as you can relate that with a multifamily, you know, larger deals, things like that, your uh, capital uh, stack is much more. So from that standpoint, it gives more opportunity for more players to come in, contribute, get high returns for their share and like that. So in my opinion, it's a good win-win model where, you know, multiple people can be passive. They still get the returns. And one of the biggest benefits that I see from my angle as well is that uh, you can force the appreciation or force the net operating income on a multifamily asset, uh, which, you know, uh, will value your building greater and of course, you know, uh, give you a higher return uh, as such. So that that's that's more of the model that we go back uh, at the premium cash flow side of things, basically. Now oh, that's awesome. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show here today. I always like to wrap up um, each episode with like a lesson learned, and and one of the lessons I learned here today was about. Um, what does it look like uh, to when you're getting into a single family home? It's just to always remember to check 
uh, check the crime, check the neighborhoods, you know, check every, everybody needs to make sure that they're really checking uh, all of the public information that is about uh, these, these properties before you end up making the purchase. So, you know, you're not stuck in something long-term that's going to go sideways on you. Um, what would you like to leave the, the listeners with as like a, a, a as like say, as a, a parting word of wisdom, so to speak? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I think uh, all listeners should always know that real estate in general is a team sport. So always, you know, surround yourself uh, with a lot of smarter people and with their advice and with their influence, you will naturally like the best model uh, uh, to grow and to mentality that you are more of a service provider, a steward of things. Uh, with that, you will always be in check. You will always, uh, you know, have your ego in check and things like that. That way, you can always serve more people and be a win-win. Uh, uh, you know, have more win-win relationships, basically. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show here today. And everybody, that's the Premium Cash Flow Podcast. I think it's on iTunes. Uh, is that right? Yes, it's on iTunes, uh, uh, YouTube, Stitcher, pretty much all the social media platforms that you can find us on. That's awesome. Okay, great. Is there any other way that you want people to contact you that want to touch base uh, with you? Sure. PremiumCashflow.com is a website. Uh, at that, uh, there is a contact us uh, page that you can certainly drop us an email through that uh, or give us a call. Uh, our number is 443-237-2505 is a direct line to our office there. Awesome. Thanks, Akar. Appreciate you coming Thank on the you. show, guys. Go check out the Premium Cashflow podcast. Go visit the website and drop Sakar a message. That's all for this Bad Beats episode. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith, with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Did you see yourself in any part of that story? I know I did. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in the sleeping masses of what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day. Thanks, and I'll see you again soon.